Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by Matt the Hammer H of Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts. Before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. With many great athletes, coaches, breakdowns, and hot takes, you're not going to want to miss a thing. We are powered by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis brand, head over to Spirit Leaf Waterdown. Alex and his crew will get you set up with all your THC and CBD needs. In-store options are finally available in Ontario, and don't forget to use our promo code and you can save some money. Just follow them on Instagram and use the code CHPODCAST10 and you'll get your savings. We are also sponsored by Project X Guard. Project X Guard has been helping underprivileged youth get connected with jiu-jitsu schools around the GTA. If you know anybody who would benefit from this program, reach out to us or Project X Guard and we'll help them get started. Thanks everybody, and we'll see you on the mats. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, we have uh, Matthew Hammer Hayes, straight out of Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts with us today. How are you doing today? Amazing. Looking forward to uh, getting the school back open, getting uh, back to training. I think we're very close to that right now. So, you know, overall, overall last year, um, how's everything been going for you? I know there's a lot of been, you know, a lot of things going up and down right now, but uh, yeah, like how, how have you been handling things? How has the school been handling things? How are your students been handling things? So, well, we, we, we've been trying to do our best to keep like a kind of like a online presence. We try to do our best to switch over to offering online classes for our students and our members to keep people connected Obviously, as the lockdown kind of came and went a couple times, we were able to get people in the school and get people training for a couple of different windows of time, which was uh, super beneficial. Uh, and then in the meantime, we've been just trying to do what we can. And uh, I've actually been having some of our, uh, our members go uh, south to, to compete actually in Florida. So at least we got to keep some of our guys uh, um active and then i have a, a big group going down actually uh in august to probably stay for a couple months to try to get as many events and tournaments under their belt how has it been the like the adjustment especially for like some of your competitors like not getting the type of training they might have been getting before and then having to like, like without the looks and then having to go into a competition kind of like how they've been feeling especially going down there and coming back like they feel they're getting the reps in or is it kind of still a learning process well uh it's almost like uh how, how, how do you say it? it's like uh like guerrilla warfare we're we're basically trying to train wherever we can in in people's basements and just basically uh do do what we can to keep up skills uh support one another to stay active so i mean i've been really lucky that i have a really tight-knit group that has uh basically stayed as active as possible and uh we, we've basically been trying to do what what we can you know for a lot of my team the only way to kind of keep them focused and inspired is be working towards goals so kind of uh everything that's been going on uh with some of these states it's kind of nice to have some opportunities and some things to work towards so when you kind of like um when there was just like a, a full shutdown like the entire bjj community just kind of shut down like mid-march last year when all your kind of like competitors were like okay like how did they like they react to that first thing where they're like, okay, what do I do now? Like, how do they kind of feel about that? Well, I mean, in all honesty, it was, I think everyone was in pretty hard disbelief. It was pretty, uh, pretty shocking. I remember for a lot of my team, uh, everybody was kind of, um, yeah, just kind of, kind of in shock at first. And then uh, we, uh, like I said, we tried to adapt as quickly as we can with offering the online classes and a lot of our members were okay with that, I would say, at first, for the first few uh, months. But for the competitors, it was very difficult. So a lot of them were just trying to meet up and do what they could uh, with other competitors, uh, either in someone's home and just so they could, like you're saying, you know, get the reps in, try to maintain a level of intensity. Uh, but 
as the whole scene kind of came to a standstill, it definitely uh, freaked out a lot of our, 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 our team. But uh, I would say a lot of the competitors, you know, is what has helped keep me going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and knowing that there are some events going on around the world, it kind of gave us like a sense of hope to work towards something at least in the meantime, until, yeah. until, until the community can kind of get back to where, what it is we love to do. Yeah, it's also it's also good to have that option where you know there's a lot of places that are starting to open up in the U.S. Things are getting a lot better. I think things are going to be a lot better here. I think the second half of the year is as well. But at least it gives them an option, like as you said, like they can go down to F- Florida or different states where you know they have opportunities. There's a lot of tournaments going on, and you know they can they can do what they can down there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's it's pretty exciting to see that. Uh, I guess what in July, Alberta is going to pretty much open up. We were lucky to have uh, one of our professional fighters just fight a couple, uh, just a, a week a week ago now. Yeah, just uh, it was just last last weekend or two weeks, maybe maybe it's a uh, two weeks uh, ago now. But uh, Joe Mazenov got to fight uh, at, oh, on nice. a BT the the BTC events that took place okay, in yeah. Vancouver. So, nice. so like an example like that, where, you know, I can rat, like I can rally the team behind a fighter who's preparing for a professional fight. It kind of keeps, keeps a lot of our, our, a lot of my team, especially my staff team keeps our head in the game. You know, we had to adapt to what we could do and how we could help Joe prepare, but gave everyone a chance to do some jujitsu and focus our skills to, basically get Joe ready for, uh, it was a quite a, quite a fight three round war that ended up going to decision. That's awesome. So we've talked about a lot of the difficulties of training, like, you know, during the last year and a bit, especially even for MMA, like how, what is that process? Like, what are some things that like you have to change and things that you have to adapt from, you know, 20, you know, March, 2020 to now? Well, you got to get really comfortable training outside. <laughs> I'm, outside I'm outside right now. Like you should see this background. I'm on a beach right now. This is great. Beautiful weather. Say, I think I'm in Florida right now. I might not be able to see. I was going to say, apparently you got, you're a guy to figure it out. It looks pretty nice where you are, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the training had to take place uh, outside, you know, obviously uh, conditioning outside is not such a big deal, but, basically had to take a lot of our training outdoors and um, try to do, do what we can outside. And like I said, basically kind of like guerrilla style, uh, like guerrilla warfare where we're in someone's like garage or basement, you know, two people basically just training, trying to uh, get the skills ready, put everything into, uh, put all the work in. Mm -hmm. So especially kind of like you look at like, Things are just, they're starting to ramp up. The possibility of reopening very soon is coming. What type of like explosion do you kind of like see, whether it being like health and fitness industry or even like just juicy community in general? Like how big do you see that explosion ready to happen? Or do you think it's going to be like a little bit more time before people start to get comfortable to come, come back? Yeah, you know what? I think that's a really uh, interesting question that I think a lot of people are kind of... Uh on the hinge on, they're not really sure what's gonna happen. I think a lot of people uh, are still scared, still very nervous, still very uncertain. So I think we're gonna see a a big population stay at home and kind of in the mindset of, I would say, kind of wait and see. Mm -hmm. However, I know as months passed from March, 2020, all the way now to where we are now, I think the number of people who are kind of I want to say got like a wake up call, you know, they've been maybe waiting to train, maybe to try new things. Now, a lot of people don't want to wait anymore. Uh, The amount of interest that I've been uh, getting through through my school is massive. People are just begging for our our doors to be open and they want to know what date that's going to be. So the moment Ontario, specifically Ontario, the moment Ontario says it's go time, I, I know I'm going to have a, a gym pretty much ramp. And I think uh, a large part of it is not only people kind of got a wake up call on how they want to try new things or challenge themselves with, uh, especially with combat arts, you know, that's what we do. But um, 
the social interaction, I think people are, uh, you know, when it comes to the idea of loneliness, I don't think people really knew how bad it was. And here experiencing this lockdown for so long, the idea of loneliness is, a, is actually a real problem. People are realizing they need social interaction. And uh, if you've been thinking about being in a positive environment, or you've met or heard people being in an environment like ours, like martial arts, uh, it's so enticing. You, you, just, you see the camaraderie that people share in martial arts schools. You see it on social media, you, 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 you meet people. And I think a lot of people are uh, in dire need of this social interaction. They wanna be in a healthy environment and then also maybe not such a busy environment, like maybe let's say a very commercial gym that would have you know, thousands of members where they're, they're a number. I think a lot of individuals don't want to be in that setting anymore. And I think they want to be in a setting where it's actually a bit more, I would say, inclusive, smaller group where they're, they're looking to feel part of a group. They're looking to feel part of a team, part of uh, the community. They don't, they don't want to just go to a gym and exercise. They actually want to be part of something. And I think right now, uh, especially considering everyone's been working from, the majority of people have been working from home through all of this. I think people are, are hungry for social interaction. So yes, there's a group that definitely doesn't want to be uh, too close to anybody. And I think the group is much larger on the other side where people are just dying to get back to social interaction. I mean, most people who are getting vaccinated are super excited just to like get the the doors open so i mm -hmm. i think I, I think any of the the martial arts schools that survived through this whole lockdown process every school is going to skyrocket and unfortunately the schools that didn't you know survive through this uh i could see a lot of them coming back i could see a lot of people trying to open up schools i think the industry of fitness in general is going to be so explosive because uh everyone's been so stagnant at home you know, I, 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 I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be wild for everybody for, for, for months. Yeah, yeah. You definitely, you've definitely said a lot. Um, I think you're me and Aaron have discussed this a lot. Like what is the future of, you know, like what does the future of the fitness industry look like? What does the fit, uh, the future of like the martial arts industry look like? And like, I think you nailed it. I think there's not going to be like a lot of people like running back to like a big box gym, like a good life for an LA fitness, for example, maybe in that regard, they want to go to like maybe a smaller, more boutique gym, which may benefit yeah. like a small business owner, for example. And then on the martial arts side of things, I think that small intimate, like a smaller, more intimate environment where, you know, they're, they feel like they're a part of a team or they're a part of something and, you know, they're learning a skill. I I think you nailed it. I think there's going to be a, a big demand for that. Maybe, and then I think there'll also be a bigger, uh, big demand even for like smaller boutique, you know, like training uh, gyms, even with like martial arts, because there may be some people that are like, you know what, maybe I don't want to go to a school with like 5,000 people in it, exactly. but you know, like I want to, you know, I want to go to like, you know, like a smaller group class, for example. I think a lot of people are going to be open to that. And I think, especially as you said, when people are getting vaccinated, they want you're like, all right, now I'm good. I'm comfortable with this situation. I want to go out and I want to do stuff. I want to go out. I want to get on a plane. I want to fly to Florida like I am right now <laughs> on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to go out. Let me be free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, re I really think um, uh, you, you're going to definitely see a, an explosion with kind of more niche schools and facilities that are really catering to a group of people and uh, especially to the neighborhood. But I, I think you're gonna see, I don't wanna say mass exodus, but I think a lot of people are gonna be very hesitant to be in these super large facilities where there's just so many bodies going in and out the door. I think people will be a bit more apprehensive about that, but going into smaller facilities with a smaller setting, I could see a lot, a lot of people really feeling comfortable with that. And then also, um, again, like, I, I think people are very hungry to feel part of a community, like, uh, you know, being online, just, I really believe just doesn't cut it. You know, they, they want to be talking with other people. And I, I find like the martial arts environment where you, not only are you with a, a, a tight knit group of people, but it's usually a room full of high achievers. 
and everybody's working towards a, a common goal. And I think a lot of people like that's what they're missing right now. It's like uh, so many people are just working towards like nothing. Like everyone's in this like state of sit and wait, wait and see, sit and wait, wait and see. And people are so done with this. So yeah, obviously I think you're going to see a lot of travel and people going all over the place. Mm. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I really think like, I think a lot of martial arts schools are going to see a huge explosion uh, like and again small businesses i think are going to really explode because they're going to be giving that niche service where it's going to make a lot of people like so satisfied they're going to find so much of what they've been missing especially this last 14 months yeah no it's, it's going to be pretty exciting especially like even you said like unfortunately some of the schools that maybe didn't survive this whole thing but all the potential for these new academies were all these guys that have been, again, they've, whether they've lost their job doing something else and now they've decided to switch careers and they want something more rewarding, start this new small business for whatever, like whatever they're planning on doing. So you're going to see whether all these new clubs start to come out from different teams. And it's going to be quite interesting to see how that explosion happens, especially like that Ontario community. Yeah. I, I really hope that uh, Ontario uh, acts of acts upon it like I, I really hope we see events from jiu-jitsu competition muay thai competition even it'd be amazing to see amateur mma uh, become available again in ontario because i yeah i think a lot of new schools will open uh, in this explosion once people start to see there's a lot of confidence where people want to be back in the martial arts schools i think a lot of people who've been like you're saying either lost their job or they're sick of their job now. They've been stuck yeah. at home all this time. And they're like, man, I don't want to work like this anymore. And I want to take on a new adventure. So I, I think we'll see a lot of new teams uh, just uh, sprout and pop up. And um, it's like all those people who've been sitting and waiting and thinking about doing stuff that everyone is going to be jumping to committing to starting a new business or starting a new adventure so yeah, it's gonna be very exciting. And I just hope Ontario acts well on that. Mm -hmm. So as the growth is happening, there needs to be support and there needs to be structure. Because what will happen is if, if there's big growth, but not support, people will then go somewhere else to find it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, like I, it's kind of funny, but I, I've been seeing just Alberta basically doing a lot of things that I know is gonna be very attractive for a lot of people. Like cost of living in, in the GTA is outrageous. Uh, <laughs> You're telling I, us. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm from Ottawa. And, and the thing is, like, I see people moving Toronto uh, from Toronto to Ottawa. And all that's doing is just pushing Ottawa into a more ex expensive. Um, like our cost of living is is going up uh, by the minute. But then when you see Alberta making moves to be, I would say, more attractive to Canadians to move there. If someone is thinking about starting a new business, I, I just hope Ontario acts right to mm -hmm. support new business, support these new advent, uh, ventures that people want to put big money behind. And if they don't, a province like Alberta, which is communicating, I would say, ahead of the game, mm -hmm. they're, they're, you're going to see a big migration. Like, like if I was a, if I was a 20 year old and I want to open up a school. I, I, I'd be flying Alberta right now. I'd, I'd, I'd go, I'd go settle there right now because Ontario, it's going to be a, a massive uphill battle unless I would say like Ontario as in like the politicians government helps support the growth that's going to come. Yeah. What are, um, I hate getting political, but it, since we're on the topic, what are some things that you're seeing that uh, Alberta's doing that you're like, yes, this is really attractive to me from like a business standpoint. And then what are some things that you would like to see Ontario do to kind of follow suit, like specifically, you know, just with even just like cost of living, you know, getting small businesses going again, especially ones that have been, you know, pretty damaged in like the martial arts fitness industry, like the last like year or so. What are some things that you would like to see kind of put forward to help kind of, I guess, right some of the wrongs that have happened? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I won't go on about writing the wrongs too much because that's a uh... I, I think any politician in the position of COVID, uh, no matter who would have been in charge, it would have been a very, very complicated. And I mean, the reality is, you know, everyone has to kind of take a step back and learn from what happened and in obviously prepare for the future. But like, 
simple things like just even seeing Alberta reduce like their, their gas prices, mm-hmm. you know, for, for young families just trying to get their things together, you know, I, I like small stuff like that makes an impact. And from what I heard that as the gas goes down, well, so does the cost of food is going down as well. It's just small stuff like that, where I know for new families, young families, that's significant. Uh, but I know that from what I can see, Alberta, as well as BC, is open to getting events going and getting that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just concerned that, well, for instance, Alberta saying, uh, from what I understand, uh, after Canada Day, they're pretty much, they're going to be okay. open. They're, they're open and operating, from what I understand, or that's their plan or what they've communicated. From what I feel, what Ontario has been communicating, that won't be till September 1st. At, at the best like if, if that if all goes well maybe September 1st we look like something like that and then even then I'm very doubtful you know uh, just the, the communication I would say uh, from uh, uh, Ontario government it's kind of it's this again the sensation of well let's wait and see wait and see you know mm-hmm. it was it was kind of it's, it's it's been disappointing with how they've been choosing to communicate and um as someone who's trying to plan for the future makes it difficult. So I think uh, what Ontario as a government and in, in, in as leaders to communicate is we need actual a plan being communicated of what the future is going to look like and um, ideas on how we can succeed. I'm hoping that we can see some events get, get going sooner than later. I mean, I'm really hopeful that September we can start running events, either it be from jujitsu events or Muay Thai events, but that's, that's fire for a school. That really sets people uh, in gear and that will be very beneficial for, I mean, yeah, any, any team, any school throughout the province. Yeah. Any, uh, I think events would be like a, a big plus. I know, um, for example, I, I have a client of mine that, that works in the entertainment industry. So she, so uh, she works with a lot of like, you know, like concerts and things like that. And it like, she's taken a massive hit because of this, because, you know, there's, you go from like concerts every week and like, you know, being on TV sets and all this stuff. And it goes from that to nothing like to her. I think her, I think she was telling me like one of her like year over year, like revenue drops. It was like 95, like to like 97%. So it's pretty much went from like, peak business of like, you know, just busy and having like, you know, 60, 70 staff all the way down to like two or three people. Yeah. And, and, and like, and that's it. And I, all I'm hoping is that some, we can get some sort of events going just like for uh, entertainment or uh, public events. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have whatever restrictions they feel necessary or whatever policies. I'm not saying just go, full on a hundred percent, but I mean, we got to get, give us something here, something that we can start to work with and slowly expand into, but because right now it just feels like nothing can happen and who knows when. Nothing's, nothing can happen. Everything's illegal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you, have, you, have, you have to give people framework, right? So something that they can work towards and it's like, whether it's markers, but like, yeah, like you said, it's so poorly communicated whereas even like stage three for example where they're like indoor fitness but it's like with restrictions and they didn't even they haven't even communicated what those restrictions what are, are the restrictions so, <laughs> yeah. so like so like you as a business owner you can't even like so like you, you like so let's take your school for example right like you're expecting this mass you know all this people starting to come to like, Hey, I'm ready to train, which is awesome. And that's great. Cause that's great to have business, but now you have no idea how to plan for it because you don't know what the restrictions requirements are. So how do you create a schedule? How do you do this? Like, can you have 10 people in a class? Can you have 15 people in a class? Do they have to be apart? Like you don't know anything, which is not fair. So that the communication, and I'm just the last thing I'm going to say about it. It's just garbage, plain and simple. So they, yeah. they need to do a better way to do it, but I've, I've tooted that and beat that horse like yeah. 50 fucking times. So, I'm not gonna bother anymore. so we've beaten that horse quite a bit on here. Okay. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah. But you know what? I actually wanted to ask more than anything. It was like, as we have all these different individuals trying to get like 
started into um, martial arts or into new communities, like how did you even like get involved in the jiu-jitsu community to begin with? Like how did that whole transformation happen? Well, uh, I, I grew up with two older brothers who are enormous. Uh, I'm like half their, <laughs> I'm half their size. So uh, I spent most of my life trying to run away from them and uh, try to not uh, give them a chance to beat me up. So I always had a big interest in getting strong, fit, uh, and to learn martial arts, basically just to defend myself from my own brother. <laughs> but uh, I was very lucky to find um, uh, Pat Coogan right in my neighborhood. He was uh, teaching at a karate school at the time. And uh, a friend of mine was really pushing me to look into doing jujitsu. I had done a couple of traditional martial arts at 15 and 16, and I was very curious. I was really excited, but I just couldn't really find anything I was really enjoying. And uh, a good friend of mine at the time told me about jujitsu, showing me the UFC videos. We were watching uh, Pride fights. This was uh, around uh, 2000 and 2001. And I happened to walk into the school where Pat was teaching and, you know, the rest is history. I went from, um, yeah, starting out while I was in high school doing jujitsu. And uh, I, I took over uh, Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts just a couple of years ago. And I'm just, I, I've, I've love it. I, I've been very lucky to, you know, uh, teach and train. I've been able to compete. Uh, and travel all over the world and uh, I've even got to uh, do consulting for other martial arts schools and help them with their business so that they can live the lifestyle of a martial artist and, and make it into a, a, a career. I've helped many fighters fight all over the uh, like North America or actually I should, I should say the world. It's been um, yeah just very very lucky and so I have to thank my brothers for being so tough on me when I was a kid because that was ultimately my big motivation to learn uh, how to fight and want to fight. And, uh, and I was a very scared kid, like, you know, being picked on or bullied at school. Uh, I just saw martial arts as an avenue to gain strength and confidence and, and, and to find that belief in myself. I just, I didn't want to be afraid. And uh, I, I, I'll never forget, like, I was about one or two months in, uh, about, I would say even like one month of jujitsu training, the, the confidence that I had to knowing I could protect myself, just, it, it transformed me immediately. You know, I, I would say like in high school and, 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 and as a kid, martial art movies is what really inspired me to, to want to learn how to fight. You know, obviously like watching movies like Steven Seagal or like stuff like Jackie Chan, or like re really long time ago, or like even watching movies like Rocky or like even like Billy Blanks. He had these like terrible, terrible B, like uh, what do you call them? Like those kind of movies, but. Uh, oh, the type of Billy Blanks. Like the type <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I don't even want you know, know what you call those kind of movies, but like they're like B, B uh, like just these. Uh, like the B, just, B movie, like Sharknado oh, like level. B -list, B -list. Yeah. Okay, like yeah, straight, 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 straight to straight to VHS, exactly. So I, I was growing up watching those movies, like uh, was it Jean Claude Van Damme, all that stuff, and it it really excited me to like I I want to be like these guys that I was watching in these movies, and so I started to seek out martial arts in my community, and honestly, I'm just I'm super lucky that I found uh, jujitsu. And it just, yeah, never looked, uh, never looked back. I mean, I've been doing it now for just a, almost 20 years. Uh, awesome. That's awesome. Great. So one thing, um, you're, uh, from the last time I checked and like, I'm, we talked like a while ago, a lot of it was about, uh, you were like the head, you know, kids programming <laughs> director of, you know, Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts. So taught a lot of kid class uh kids classes in your in your days how does how does you know training you know a five-year-old different than training somebody you know in, like in the adult classes like what is what is that structure like is there things that are different things that are the same um uh, well yeah I, I i've been teaching kids uh pretty much my my whole career and uh it's definitely one of my most favorite parts of my career is having that opportunity to to teach children um 
one, one of the things that I like to kind of consider when I teach children is a, a good kind of motto is who could you have been or who would you want to be to, or to meet when you were a child? You know, and that's, that's the person you want to be when you're working with children. Like, I remember when I, when I was a kid getting picked on or, you know, feeling sorry for myself, I would envision like a superhero coming to like, take me away from the nonsense. And, and, and in my mind, like, that's who I want to become is like this like superhero. And so when I'm with the children, this is how I want to present myself is like a superhero, but I'm trying to teach them how to be their own superhero, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the thing about teaching children and adults is that it's very hard to convince adults. Children, it's easy. You, when a child says, I can't, it's so easy to get them past that. It's very, it's really not complicated. I have a system on how to help, te help teach children. It's okay to fail and failure leads to success. It's very easy for me to teach a child that. Teaching an adult that is, is, very, <laughs> that, that is very complicated. That, that takes a lot of like, like it, man, it's tough. I often in my career have heard countless instructors say, oh man, I can't stand teaching children. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. It's too hard or I'm scared. I, I love teaching children just because it is so easy, but it's also so much fun. I think where a lot of instructors struggle when it comes to teaching children is they themselves don't have structure and they don't have a vision. My vision for when I'm teaching children, as I said, is I want them to be their own superhero. So I have to do it first. I have to be my own superhero. So I act a certain way and I encourage them to copy my behavior so that they become their own superhero in their own story. And again, teaching children that is honestly, it's very easy to teach an adult to be their own superhero in their own life. Whew, like I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Like when I'm probably old, I'll write a book, I'll do videos <laughs> and stuff, but man with kids and not only can I teach uh, kids how to be their own superhero, I can teach any adult how to teach a child, you know, uh, like uh, I've, I've done uh, seminars, uh, in uh in toronto where i'm working with a lot of instructors from different schools i've gone into schools where uh, a, a team brings me in and i work with their whole uh staff team and get them to a place where ultimately my goal is not only do i want them to be confident when they teach children but i want them to to have fun i want them to love it you know it, it, it like just you know talking about government in ontario all that stuff i'm very excited we get to run our summer camps you know, when I heard that announcement that we could do summer camp, you have no idea how big of a deal that is for me, because it's not just about getting kids in my gym, but also I have countless teenagers who are volunteering and they're going to be working and running my summer camp. So all these youth who have not gone to school this entire time, most high school students have not gone to school. They've been doing online learning this whole time. I have a whole army of youth who are going to be working and running my, my summer camp. And those are the individuals I work with. So I work with the teenagers, the young adults, basically from uh, 13 to in their early 20s. These are the people I'm working with and they are working with the children. And so I've created this leadership model where I help very young children grow, learn how to be responsible, how to lead and uh, develop skills where they can actually run and teach a, a class themselves. And then I work with those youth to help them gain the confidence, not only to teach a class of children, but even have the confidence to teach a group of adults. And um, even if these youth don't stay with me, they only stay for a period of time, the skills they learn give them such an advantage in university, uh, or I should say even high school, high school, university, any job environment they go into, they're going to crush it because they have this unique set of leadership skills and confidence and self-belief that they're, they're, you know, their competitors or the people who are maybe applying for the same job or same environment, you know, they just trounce. I, I mean, I have 13-year-olds who will stand up in front of a big group of children 
and command and lead and guide in a fun and exciting way where this 13 year old is having the time of their life and all these kids are following and listening. I, I want gentlemen, ask yourselves, what were you doing at 13 years old, 14 years old? <laughs> I don't think you want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> were you guys teaching a group of 20 kids and where parents were looking at this, you know, 13, 14, 50 year old going, who is this kid? And the best thing is I tell the mom, the dad, I go, look, that's your child's future. This 13, 14, 15, 16 year old that's teaching your child right now, guess what? That's what your five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year old is going to become. And then what do you think the parents do? They just, they throw money at me. They're like, yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> they're like, teach my child, get them on the path. Let's do this. <laughs> just shut up and take my money. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I really mean it. And a lot of these youth uh, either become some of my best competitors and they're competing all over the world, or they become some of my main instructors running the program. Or they go on to university, they crush it, they go on to some career, they crush it. So anyways, it's, I'm, I get to be part of these uh, children and adults legacy. So I love teaching adults as well. I, I just, I love teaching period, but I really enjoy teaching teachers how to teach. That's mm -hmm. truly like my, my passion is teaching and my passion is teaching other people how to succeed at being a teacher. It's uh, it's uh, I, I absolutely love it. And um, the, the big difference between children and adults is just that it's it's the, the paradigm that an adult is in. It takes a lot of work to shake them out of that paradigm. Yeah, you got to break you got to break an adult down a lot more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's why jujitsu is so special or, or Muay Thai, because these martial arts are so humbling. And, and it's a real dose of reality that a lot of adults just don't get. Uh, like there's no aspect of their life where they get, you know, a real slap in the face of, of reality and combat martial arts does that, you know, and, and if you have the right environment, you can help countless adults. Like, don't get me wrong, but children, it's easy, it's easy, easy, easy. And when people struggle with children, I can help them get past that. You know, I have a, I have a very strong system of how to teach children. I've, I've, I've helped countless people have their uh, develop their own system to succeed with their own kids programming and uh yeah like uh, i could go into greater detail about some of these like specific skill sets but hopefully that answered your question <laughs> no, no i think it did uh, yeah it really did because i think like if anybody's listening to this and we're like okay they think the idea of like okay i'm going to open up a school and i'm going to be a competitor driven school and like they're really looking at their business model wrong Cause like you just laid out an amazing, not even business plan, but the vision of a business with how successful it could be teaching teachers and, and the, all those future leaders within that same club on like how to build it right there. Yeah. Like uh, I know a lot of martial arts schools uh, struggle having a strong staff team. I know even some martial arts schools, what they do is, is they steal staff from other schools I don't fear that because I build up so many great people that if even if these great people leave me, I got more great ones on the way. And if these great people who I've built go on to do great things somewhere else, great. It's all good. I just want mm. people to be the best they can be and specifically in leadership. So, you know, talking about the government, I'm talking about seeing a big lack of leadership, you know, or absence of leadership where I think most martial arts schools, where they could take off the most is delivering true leadership skills with the children and the adults. And I really believe that's where we can really go a whole other, um, on a whole other level. You know, uh, yes, the fitness industry is gonna explode. People are gonna get back to exercise and training and that's all good. But people are in desperate, desperate need of leadership skills to lead as an individual themselves mm -hmm. and to lead their family, their community. Like, man, I walk around my neighborhood. I know everybody. I live, I live two minutes from my school. I walk around and people know me because I've been teaching their children or I've taught them. And I'm actually making a contribution to my community on a daily, a daily basis. I've had a lot of parents call me up 
uh, horrified at what's going on with their youth, specifically their teenagers, because the teenagers are in this weird gap. You know, the, the, the children who are, uh, what, I guess uh, 12 and younger, grade six or grade eight and younger, they've been able to keep going to school on and off. So it's been a bit of a balance. The children who are uh, between grade nine and uh, 12, they, they haven't been in school at all. So a lot of them are in this like terrible, I want to say like shadow. It's already difficult being a youth and a teenager. It's already difficult. People don't want to give you a chance. I have parents calling me saying, give my child an opportunity or they're asking me, how could I help? And I'm, I'm creating an environment where I can uh, create an, an impact. I can put them in an environment where there's mentors. Like I'm sure you guys can agree. It's really nice to have older people training with us because if you have personal questions or you're looking for a unique guidance, it's nice to have old people around you where you can ask them for, for help and input. A lot of these teenagers are either home alone or they're hanging out with people they shouldn't be hanging out with doing things they shouldn't be doing. Make sense? Yeah. And, and this is where, again, a martial arts school is providing like a huge a huge pillar right now that I would say is in big need, uh, a place where parents know, okay, my, my youth, my child is in really good hands, but not just that we're giving them real like life skills on top of fitness. Makes sense. So anyway, I, I, I'm quite passionate about this. I could really, no, it's, it's, it's great. Like, honestly, cause like, you're like one of the one guys that we brought on where like they have a, you have an amazing successful program and we want you to kind of like, that's what we want you to bring you here for. Like, talk about it, right? So that's glad that you have that much passion towards it. Yeah. Because that's the successful part of your business, and right? And also, also the important thing is like, it's, you know, we talk about, we talk about like, you know, jujitsu and like, you know, being like a world champion and all this other stuff. And, you know, you're like creating competitors, tournaments and all this. But what you're saying is like, I think probably your biggest success to date is, you know, just someone who may not ever compete in a tournament, but then they're like, they have the, you're teaching them the life skills that they're going to use to, you know, go to university, do well, get, you know, graduate top of their class. And like, yeah. and they're going to be, you know, productive members of society. These are the things that you, you don't, we don't talk about enough when it comes to like, you know, a lot of a lot of, a lot of people talk about barambolos and all this stuff but <laughs> but with that said the, the other the the intangible skills that you may not necessarily learn or like that are just directly taught to you with like a certain arm bar or choke you're learning that you're going to be using potentially the rest of your life like how to communicate how to talk to people how to and these are the things that are you know unfortunately are missing in a lot of places right now <coughs> ontario government <coughs> <coughs> sorry i had something stuck in my throat go on <laughs> i i was just gonna say that like um I, I i've started my staff uh training for summer camp so uh we're just doing it over zoom and and i'm trying to get everyone uh, prepared for when we can officially open and start running our camps and i don't want my team to be uh unprepared so we're already started our staff training and a large part of it is I'm just teaching them how to treat these children when they arrive to camp, mm -hmm. just how to, uh, how to lead themselves, how to lead these children and how to create an inclusive environment and specifically how to communicate successfully, how to communicate structure into the environment so that these children know the expectations and these youth that I'm relying on, know how to maintain the, the the structure and i already got feedback from the parents where their youth have attended my training and the parents are like man i haven't seen my teenager light up like this in months they're like what did you do what were you talking about that now my youth is like skyrocketing with excitement like like what's going on anyways i I, I've done martial arts for a long time i've had i've had the honor of competing against uh, some of the best all over the world and you know getting that medal it's, it's special it's great it's very gratifying but i have this moment where i traveled with the team once and um i remember like yesterday where i got a gold medal at the event and when i got back into the vehicle none of my teammates had won it was just myself 
And I remember something clicked in my mind where I said, this was never going to happen again. And I became hyper obsessed on building up the people around me so I could see the people around me succeed. And that's what started to happen. A lot of the competitors started winning and I saw not only myself doing well, but all of us. But still, still to this day, no matter what medal I have or have earned, when I see a child succeed at doing a front roll or a back roll or speak to me by looking me in the eyes, that will always, always outweigh any title I have or could have earned. There's no amount of money you could pay me when a child's like, man, sensei hammer, thank you. Like, that's it. I sometimes get these emails from parents or, or youth so heartfelt. I'm like, man, this is, this is going to push me for the next two, three years, this one email. You know, it's, it's, I don't go to work uh, for, for, to make a whole lot of money. Like, that's not what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's just to feel like I'm actually giving something to somebody and they'll have a better life because of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. No, I, I think I think you nailed it right there, right? Like, I think if people really, it's that passion. And that's the whole thing. You're driving your passion more than anything rather than, okay, these kids are dollars and cents, right? You're driving passion. That's really what it is. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. So obviously, like, when you look at, like, the current flux of, like, the way jiu-jitsu is kind of, like, and we all say it like even like for sport, right? The way it's kind of blowing where that no gi competition scene is kind of like really started to take hold. Where do you kind of see like the sport itself kind of like moving towards? Do you see it moving more towards a no gi kind of atmosphere game? Or do you still see like things still being traditional, building around schools, like the schools like you've built or somewhere around there? Um, you know, I, I, it's a, that's a, it's an interesting question because I have been watching very closely, like, uh, the evolution of jujitsu competition, like, uh, you know, to share a pretty wild story. Like I, I, uh, in 2003, I got to be in Brazil when, uh, Hodger Gracie broke Jacare's arm. I got to be there for that event, you know, and, 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 and the gi jujitsu, I would say was at quite an incredible peak. But in, in Canada, nobody knew what the hell uh, jiu-jitsu was. You know, the community was so tiny at the time. It was very, very small uh, in early 2000. From 2000 to 2010, I, I would say there was a huge explosion, but still not, not, not really, we didn't see it in Canada. But I would say from uh, 2010 to 2015, the, the sport really blew up in Canada, let alone the whole, the whole world. But uh, I don't think it's a bad thing seeing like this, this evolution of nogi competition or this submission only. Uh, I think what we're watching is jujitsu diversify. It's just, it's going in lots of directions. And I really feel all that's doing is creating more opportunity for everybody. But I, I really believe any successful school teaching jujitsu, you have to teach every aspect of grappling every aspect of what possibly could happen from like uh, leg locks to working judo, wrestling, to all aspects of, of, of this sport jujitsu where the gi is so complicated now, where or the positions, the grips that you can use. So I think we're going to continue to see the sport go in all sorts of directions. But I think what will dictate that the most is who's going to who's going to put the money up what are the events that are going to pay so i know a lot of like young athletes really are striving towards the ibjjf and like earning those titles because you get a lot of notoriety all over the world but i watched a lot of athletes reach this like level of notoriety in the ibjjf world champion multiple times and what was the most common trend when they became a, a, an IBJJF uh, multiple champion, they go MMA. And why? Because they want to go and get paid. It had nothing to do with going to MMA and dominating the scene and being like the best in the world. It just, they were looking to get paid. They had competed at these high, the highest levels of, uh, of jujitsu and, and made no money. 
So then they had to go to MMA and try to use their name, their brand, and try to get, get like a payday. So if these Nogi events and submission-only events keep paying out big money, well, I, I think we'll see the sport grow a lot in that direction. The, the other thing is like, um, I guess the, the event is called AG, uh, AGP or AJP. Yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. the, the, like the, the Abby, the Abby, the, is it the, no, it's AGP, right? Yeah. AGP. Like the, it's the new circuit that they're, they're paying, yes. okay. they're, they're paying the competitors. If, if we keep seeing people put the money up, we'll see the sport keep going in the, in those directions. Like I, I have an idea of what I would like to do for a promotional event for jujitsu where I could see the jujitsu athletes getting paid to compete and what i mean by paid to compete obviously as an amateur you can't get paid however you could get paid for viewership so mm -hmm. if the jujitsu athletes can bring an audience and they could benefit from that audience like i think there's a real way here where like i would love to see this where people can make a living being a jujitsu athlete so I think where you're going to see the sport go is where the money's going to be. Because, uh, like, in the in the IBJJF, like, it's nice to get these gold medals and all, but then when you look at your bills and you can't pay your bills, it, it like, well, what, what are those gold medals worth? You know, like, they, 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 they're not going to melt the them down and pay your uh, hydro. That's it. You know, and, I, and, I, and my heart bleeds for these young men who are killing themselves to become – world champion blue belt purple brown black like believe me i get it i walked that path like it's i loved it i wouldn't trade anything for it but then you reach an age where you're like okay now i gotta i gotta get paid i gotta i gotta take care of myself or maybe you have a young family and you want to take care of your young family so i i would like to create a path for young athletes to be able to make money on that path so i think with the submission only, the Nogi events, at the end of the day, whichever event is paying, that's where the sport's going to go because athletes are going to shift over there, I think, faster and faster, which is not a bad, like, it's not bad. Like, I, I would, I, I enjoy watching jujitsu much more than I enjoy watching MMA. And the reality is, MMA is far more punishing to someone's body and their brain versus jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. you, can, you can have a very long, healthy career in jiu-jitsu. MMA, man, you only have like a prime window where you can really uh, excel. And then like the damage will eventually catch up with you. So mm -hmm. it's kind of neat to see like an athlete grow in jiu-jitsu. Maybe they go into MMA or they do Muay Thai, go into MMA. But it would be nice that they could transition to maybe jiu-jitsu and, and still be able to make some, excuse me, make some money competing you know, anyways, absolutely. absolutely. That, but that, I agree because I think me and Aaron have talked about this with a lot of different people. Like you mentioned the old model, Hey, I'm going to win some world titles and then I'm going to go to MMA and that's where I'm going to make my money where now you're starting to see the last few years, you're starting to see, you know, a lot more people use like social media, like, you know, like Gordon Ryan, for example, you can agree or disagree with what he's posting, but what he's doing is he's getting more attention on himself, which you even said like more viewership, He's, he's going to make, he's going to get a lot more attention and he's going to have different ways of, you know, taking advantage of that. And that has nothing to do with him competing in MMA. You know, Craig Jones, for example, somebody who, you know, just competed yesterday as well is doing the same thing. Like, you know, he created an OnlyFans account. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but <laughs> Craig Jones is, is officially on OnlyFans, believe it or not. But <laughs> these are more like extreme examples, but, sure. but uh, <laughs> I'll give. I'll, I was gonna say. I'll give my favorite example. I remember when Keenan Cornelius uh, defeated um, uh, what, uh, Nicholas um, Marigali, uh, I think it was. Yeah, Marigali. Nicholas Marigali. Yeah. So that was the only fight that he won that was very significant at the Worlds. I forget the year it was, but he won that fight. The whole uh, stadium erupted. His next match, he lost, and he fell. He fell out of the the absolute. But that one fight, he was able to skyrocket and market himself as the, as the man. And guys like Gordon Ryan or Keenan Cornelius, I would say, are marketing geniuses. And they're creating an opportunity for uh, uh, other athletes to follow. You know, I, I just feel that 
that's that's great for them and some people will be able to follow that model but it's difficult like for instance like a guy like gordon ryan or even keenan both of them they're both very animated individuals who have a persona so they're very comfortable to use these um forms of media to make money and promote themselves and maybe maybe they're not comfortable with it maybe they're putting on a show i don't really know but what i do know is most martial artists i would say are quite introverted and this idea of putting themselves out and like being obnoxious or rude or this character is very far from who they are and will be very difficult so i really hope and i like i want to be one of these people i i want to be a promoter of my own events where i can see these athletes benefit from the events i would love to create an environment where athletes can do it as a career and like make money early on not not when they've you know become a black belt man like like uh, like something that i want to do is put on an event where youth uh youth are competing uh, from teenagers uh, young adults and, and when they compete they're inviting their family and friends and they can benefit from, you know, let's say selling tickets to get to the event or, or, or selling viewership where people get to watch their athletes to compete. You know, I, I really want to see that happen for jujitsu. And then this way, it'll be that much more reason to stay on this path longer. And you'll probably see even greater athletes come out of it. Like, uh, I think there's an event tomorrow night there's going to be uh or not to, i think it's tonight right now there's a, an event where there's money on the lines like 20 grand. oh the third third post uh, grappling it's like uh 15 grand or something like that like the tournament that's that's it and even if they win their first match they get paid yeah like like man like this is where the sport needs to go if we want to keep our athletes in this environment man they, they got to get paid and i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's great the guys who are putting on the events, they're making money. Why, why would they not share that with the athletes? It's just like I, I was an athlete for a long time, and I saw nothing for it, not a single dollar. <laughs> Got all these medals I won. I didn't care, man, like a single nothing. time. <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was putting up money for all these events. So me, I, I, like I know what it's like to be the athlete. I want to be in the position to pay these athletes. They're putting on the show. They deserve their fair share. And all, all that will do is keep the athlete in the game that much longer. Yeah. I think um, one thing, especially like, I think when you look at like all these different, like, especially in the U.S. where I, there's a lot of less red tape, right? Where they're able to do things that they, the way they want to do it. And they can just have promoters do what they want. And there's not a lot of bullshit where, and I, I don't need to dump on the OJA right now but i'm gonna kind of yeah you do but <laughs> but like again there's, there's red tape right like there's so there's everybody wants a shirt so whether it's going to be the oj or the ontario government i'm gonna have to pay them and like there's always everybody wants their cut so let's just say there's a pool of money now that's less for the athlete because we have to pay all these other people right so i think that we got to figure out a way to get past through all the bullshit and then you can have great events but Again, I don't work for the OJA, so. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I won't hate on the OJA because I know the OJA is mostly, it's Tony. Tony's doing a lot of work. And no, and, I, and I'm not I'm not busting Tony's job, chops about it, right? Because yes, it, you are. It's not, no, it's not Tony's <laughs> fault. I, I love Tony. Tony's just say, no, just say it's all Tony. Tony's he's fault. Do, he's doing there. the work nobody wants to do. Exactly. He, he doesn't have an easy job. Let's just say that. No, he definitely he does not. But, but yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. But I think, but I think we're right though. I think that's how you're gonna drive the the sport in into like the future into the future is you're you need to you know create some sort of reward systems for you know people Absolutely. that are involved. Yes, if I throw an event, yeah, I want to make money. Okay, like I, I think it's no secret. I think yeah, I want to help the sport, but at the same time, if I'm making money. I can help the sport even more because I can create more events. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But I think you're, I think everybody's right. Like in the future, this is what I think needs to be done. And, you know, it's only going to get more people and more eyeballs on the sport. And the more people that are watching it, the more opportunities there are for everybody that's involved. Absolutely. And uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you this evening, um, just what, for the future for you, you know, 
COVID is hopefully, you know, going to be, I'll just say, hopefully a lot more under control the second half of this year. And uh, what are, what are some things you're looking forward to 2021 and beyond? What are, what are you, what are your plans for the Academy and yourself? Well, I mean, uh, over the last couple of years uh, with, with the school, I've really tried to put myself in a position where I, I'm really focused on building my team, building the people up around me. And uh, really what I would like to see is my team uh, get their chance to be in the spotlight, you know, get, get them a chance to be out on as many of the world stages where they can compete, show their skills, show their abilities, and put themselves on the map. You know, I really want to, I want to really create a strong future for, for my, my, my team so that these individuals can have, continue to have a future into uh, a future in martial arts. You know, uh, that's, that's really what I'm, I'm loving. Obviously, I really, I can't wait to get these youth back to training and get them on this path of competing as well. And uh, just getting our team as active as possible. You know, the other aspect was like, you know, this was really heartbreaking, but I had planned this big event. Um, I do, I do an event. I I try to do it twice a year where I do a fundraiser for a women's shelter in our community. They do incredible work. It's called the Harmony House. And I put on a women's self-defense seminar for free. And all I ask for is donations uh, from the community to put on the event. And then I give all the money. And the one I did, uh, when we came out of the lockdown in the fall, I did it on my birthday. It was a huge success. And I was planning to do it in May, but the lockdown happened and I, I couldn't put it on. And I, I really want to get back to doing that stuff as well. So I, I really like getting involved with partners in our community that do a lot of great work. Like there's another organization called Pathways to Education, where they help uh, youth from grade 9, 10, 11, 12, they help them graduate. I really want to do more work with uh, high schools and students, help either helping them graduate or just helping them succeed in general. I'm 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 very community driven, and I just can't wait to get back to doing those things. Like in all, because all truths, like it's not work for me. Like I just I love it. I love educating people on the benefit of martial arts and getting people doing martial arts, and if I can contribute to other partners or organizations in our community that do work that I'll not be able to do you know like I think about uh, uh, there's tons of people who've been really punished by this whole COVID and lockdown situation that we haven't even heard about yet and I know as that stuff kind of comes out like it's going to be brutal but uh, this is where I, I want to help something like a, a women's shelter where they're I know they're swamped they've been swamped through this whole COVID situation, just dealing with one disaster after another and dealing with more um, situations than they ever had before. So again, like as businesses start to excel and strive and people are like, oh, wow, we're making money again. People are in our gym. This is great. I just hope that people don't forget, like don't leave the people behind who have been really taking a massive hit through this whole situation or living through traumas that you know we're going to hear about years from now and I just me like that's the work I want to get back to like like the business is easy for me running my school is easy teaching classes getting people competing that's all fun that's all easy but I want to do more valuable work and get back to that kind of stuff and and with the lockdown kind of like shut a lot of that that stuff that I like to do basically stopped it like I, I couldn't continue if that makes any sense yeah no it totally does well and i think like you said it's you driving your passion more than anything it's like educating being a leader being a member of your community more than anything and you're just pushing everybody forward right and like i just want to say like i I look forward just seeing the future like especially what you plan on doing especially with the school with the community and as you start to drive forward more especially as we get out of this lockdown i'm looking forward to seeing the stories that you come out with for sure I, it's, it's appreciated. Uh, th- thank you guys so kindly to invite me to be on here. I'm uh, absolutely honored. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you today. We definitely want to have you back because, I, like I said, like you, you drive amazing passion towards what you do and you have the blueprint. So like we're going to, I think Mike and I are just going to 
basically call you and kind of like pick your brain on a lot of things as well help so. us please, <laughs> please. Help us. my children are terrible my children. <laughs> please I'll, I'll give you them just take them <laughs> so, I, yeah, no, I, 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 i'd be happy to help in any way and like uh and in all seriousness like i i want to help as many people as i can like I, honestly like i love teaching and it's it's more gratifying for me when i see uh I can help people do do what I do and, and love it too. And when and when you start to love what you're doing, oh man, it's so easy. Like you just you're so much more eager to hop out of bed because it's not a chore. And you 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 understand like oh man, like this is so beneficial not for myself but everybody around me. Yeah, I I'm I'm excited to do more work with you guys in the, in the future. This should be good. This should be great. Uh, awesome. Definitely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time for this evening. We wish you all the best and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks so much, guys. Thank all you right. very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody.